what we saw last week from 1 Peter, so we can take this to another place, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. That's what God has written about His children. So now here's what we're going to do. That's right, Leanne, that's right. We're taking it to a new place, right? So here's what we have to do. You're going to greet at least three people. If you don't know their name, you're going to get their names. And then you're going to say, like, joy. I'm back there and I see joy. I say, joy, you are God's special people. You are special to God, Joy. And you're going to use Joy's name and declare that she is special to the Lord. Whoever you meet. You understand? You don't all, like, Miles, you don't go over to Brian and say, Hi, I'm Miles. And he says, I'm Brian. You don't say, Joy, you're special people. No. No, no. You get the name in there, okay? And if he just told you, he says, I'm Brian, and you go, Oh, great. You are, oh, wait. What was your name again? It's remind me again Sunday. You could ask three times until you got it. It's fine. But are you ready? Three people that you're going to name and declare that they are special to God. Ready? Go. You are on your way. <laughs> Robbie, you are special to God, buddy. Thank you, Robbie. <laughs> There you are, Bob. (laughs) You are special to God, Bob. How are you, sweetheart? It's nice to see you. And you're special to God. You are special to God. That's right, honey. You are, okay? (laughs) You're special to God, Abby. I'm on the microphone, though, so you're special, too. And you're, Keely, are special to God. How you doing, Slugger? You're special to God, my man. All right? Mean that. Okay. Okay. I know everyone. Give me your name again. Patty. Patty, you're special to God. Yes. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, now. You are special to God. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I'm sure on the one hand that looks corny. But on the other hand, you have ministered to somebody today. Somebody today needed to be told they were special. And to be special to God is an amazing thing. And you spoke it into someone's life today, and it's true. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Let's pray. Father, we're going to open your word, and we thank you for it. Thank you for what you are teaching us as we move through this series, Lord. We pray for those who are sick and recovering from sickness, Father. We pray for those who have lost loved ones recently. We pray for those who are traveling uh, today because uh, some will just be coming back a short distance and with road conditions. We ask your hand of safety upon them. We do remember, Randy, Lord, what a rich blessing he is having to be in Israel Uh, your land, Father, a place you have chosen. And so we ask that uh, you will indeed sustain him, bless him, and get him back to us safely. Now, Father, as we open your word, we count on you to be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Um, as we were talking this morning, and, and I knew that it was gonna, we were going to have a smaller group of people because so many are traveling, and the weather, um, I, you know, Tara said to me, maybe, maybe you could just go a little shorter today. And I said, well, you know, maybe we'd get out by 11.30 so people aren't worrying about the snow out there. She said, I was thinking 11 o'clock. <laughs> so if you want to rise for our closing hymn, we'll be done. Friends, one of the things we noted about last week when we were in Exodus, one of the things we noted that it is uh, one of the most action-packed books in the Bible, and that's why Hollywood makes big, made a couple of times has made a big production from the book of Exodus. Action-packed. Leviticus, not so much. Exodus gave us something that we saw last week, the crossing of the Red Sea where Moses divided the waters. It was amazing. And then coming off of that magnificent book with all that action, we come to Leviticus, and it may feel a little bit more like this. And I'm wondering, Jill, would you be able to hit all those sliders for me and just close everything down for a second? This. There we go. This is, this is... They're all slots? saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast. I thought in Zootopia, anyone could be anything. Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Hey, Flash, I'd love you to meet my friend. Uh, darling, I've forgotten your name. Hmm. Officer Judy Hobbs, CPD, how are you? I am doing just Fine. As well as I can be. Hmm. What? Hang in there. Can I do? Well, I was hoping you could run a plane. For you. Well, I was hoping you could. Today. Well, I was hoping you could run a plane for us. We are in a really big hurry. Sure. What's the plate? Two nine T. Number. Two nine T H D zero three. Two nine T H D zero three. T H D zero three. H D zero three. D. Mm-hmm. Zero, three. Zero. Three. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. 
What do you call a three-humped camel? Three-humped camel. Pregnant. Can we please just focus on the test? Hey, wait, 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 Priscilla. Oh no! Yes, Flash. What do no you call a three-humped camel uh, pregnant? Okay, great, we got it. Please, humped. Here. Yes, yeah, yeah. Hurry, hurry. You. Thank you. Two are three. Go. It's registered to Tundra Town Limo Service. A limo to Goderton and the limo's in Tundra Town. It's in Tundra Town. Way to hustle, bud. I love you. I owe you. Hurry. We've got to beat the rush hour in. It's night. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that, as, as we come to the book of Leviticus, it does not have the action that Exodus did. And we want to just take a little bit, look at the landscape, just note a couple of things. And here's why we say this. Uh, number one, it advances the storyline, the narrative of God's redemptive work by no more than one month, whereas Exodus covered a fair amount of time. It also takes place in one place. It takes place at the foot of Mount Sinai, and it is primarily filled with instructions. This is how you are to live when you get into the promised land. Now, there is one. If you read it this week in preparation for this Sunday, if you did read it, you probably picked up there is a theme that follows throughout the book that is very easy to see even in a cursory reading of the book. And that theme is holiness. We just sang about it. We just sang about wanting God's holiness as we are set apart for Him and ready to answer to His will. And our core text for today, the text that makes up for our memory verse, that place where we're going to dig down this one spot and try and understand this concept in this landscape that doesn't move fast, but definitely is talking about holiness. Our core text is 1145. By the way, um, if you want more of the memory cards, Brenda is providing us some each week so that you go, well, there's others in my family might want them, or, you know, husband and wife want to uh, take them in different directions. That's fine. They're going to be available out on the table week by week. Now, here's something to think about as we, as we look at this. Uh, it's Leviticus chapter 11. This is repeated in a number of places in this book. We're, we're coring down right here. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You, therefore, be holy, for I am holy. That theme of holiness. Our verse in Exodus 19.5 last week indicated God chose the Israelites to be his special People. He chose them. Now, this book is, we might say, 
instructing them on how to be special. What is it, now that we've been brought to God as His special people, He has identified us as such, what does it mean on our part of being special? And I'd like to break it down into two simple steps. The first being, get to know God. If I'm going to be special for God as God has intended, one, get to know God. It all begins with who God is and what He is doing. Notice in our text, For I am the Lord. He identifies Himself as God. I am the Lord. Secondly, He says about Himself, who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God, You shall therefore be holy before me, for I am holy. He's the Lord, brought him up to be a special people. What else about him? He is holy and delivered them from Egypt in order to be their God. That's worth just reflecting on for a moment. When we think in terms of, in Exodus chapter 12, as God was getting ready to delivered them from their enslavement in Egypt. And he was setting up that Passover and all that would happen. He said this, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So that when he says, I am the Lord, repeatedly in the book of Leviticus, one of the things he is trying to set forth for these people recently delivered from enslavement in this pagan culture is that those gods I have already defeated. See, because that was one of the battles that was taking place. You'll remember the ten plagues that went through. Every one of those plagues in one way or another, represented an Egyptian god. And God went, tink, 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 knocked them all over until the very end when they considered Pharaoh to be a god and he took Pharaoh's own firstborn. In every one, it was a confrontation as to determine who truly is God. And he set up this contrast that he alone is God and that the gods of these pagan people are no god at all. So the first thing is to understand, as he makes himself known, the first thing is get to know God. Who is he? And here are just a few things he's identified with himself. Secondly, act accordingly. This is the God who has separated us to himself. This is who he is. Now we act accordingly to who he is and what he is is doing. If we jump over, now this will help us give, give understanding to what we're coring down to in Leviticus chapter 11. If we jump over to chapter 18. Now, in the context of this book, there's all sorts of things, I'll mention them in just a little bit, that are discussed in terms of areas where holiness needs to play itself out. But I want you to know this, this in chapter 18, Beginning in verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. 
not the gods back in Egypt. They're not your God. Nor the gods that you're going to address. You'll see that. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwell, you shall not do those gods that were worshipped. Nope. That's not who I am. We're setting something distinct here. I've already defeated them. And, continuing on in verse 3, according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. See, because I'm taking you into a land that is another pagan culture. I'm taking you into a land where they also worship a multiplicity of gods. Say, now before we get there, I want to make it clear, just as I am not the God of those gods being worshipped in Egypt, I'm something distinct from that, I will not be the God of those gods that you find in the land. They are not worshipping me. I am distinct from what you left and from where we're going. I alone am God. And I have brought you to myself. You shall observe, verse 4, my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Do you see how repeatedly this concept of God, who he is, is foundational to how they are going to live and how they're going to respond. So we get to know God and then we act accordingly. They are to be something different than what they left in Egypt than what they will find in Canaan. And this is the essence of holiness, to be set apart to God. Again, we just sang about it. Whether we understood, paid attention to what we were singing, very thoughtfully selected for us to consider, Lord, I want to be set apart for you. That is what holy means, to be set apart to God. Now, what we would see if we had time to, if we said, let's dig into the book of Leviticus week by week, we would find Leviticus touches on every area of life. For instance, it opens up with a slew of offerings and how to, how to appropriately bring them because they've just built the tabernacle. So now these are the offerings. This is how you worship it will tell us about the priests, Aaron, and the Levites, their role as the supporting actors in the, in the tabernacle. One of the few action-packed, uh, one of the few action-packed uh, chapters deals with Nadab and Abihu, who actually offered uh, profane incense, and God killed him for it. Why? Because he's lifting up this concept of holiness, that who he is is holy, and he is to be worshipped in a holy manner. And they abandoned that. So he kills them. Animals are divided into clean and unclean. I don't exactly know why, to be honest with you. I wish I had that very clearly in my mind. I believe it has something to do with perhaps something that was lost to us in terms of how the, how the, uh, the ancients around them we're dealing with animals and how they perceive them. He's going, nope, we're going to do it different. And it becomes very clear. There are specific instructions for what to do with the baby after birth. And whether one's a boy or a girl, it's different instructions. How to deal with this thing called leprosy. Bodily discharges. There's the day of atonement. There is sexual morality. Feasts that are to be kept. 
in the Jubilee, the seventh year, and how it relates to land and to debts. And so all of these areas of their life are being prescribed with this legal setting. He says, this is what I want you to do. That's why I say it's kind of, you take some personal discipline, shall we say, to get through the entire book. And, uh, and to try and grasp, at least in a general way, what is being said. And then it ends with this verse, the last chapter of the book, uh, in 2734, says, These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. Remember, they haven't gone anywhere yet. So I said, it feels sometimes like you're running in mud in this book. But don't miss in it the intensity with which God is dealing with this topic of His holiness and how he wants his chosen people to live. Now, friends, we've already mentioned to each other, based upon 1 Peter chapter 2, 9, we've already mentioned that we too are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy generation separated unto God. We are that without the tabernacle practices. Well, why do we, why have we, why do we not engage in those? If you were with us for the study in the book of Hebrews, you know why. Because Christ has fulfilled their purposes. I mentioned the book opens with five particular offerings that could be offered. And it is possible to see in each one of them, but for our study right now, we're not going to go into it. There's possible to see in each one of them what Christ has satisfied and how each one of them depicts something which Christ accomplished. So where it took five sacrifices and the Day of Atonement, a sixth one, took six of these sacrifices, and there are a few others that are there, to lay out each of these individual things God needs to deal with, with his people, Christ accomplished them all in one Sacrifice. You will recall, if you were with us in the book of Hebrews, that the major core of that book had to do with how the new covenant has replaced this old covenant. And at one point, the writer to Hebrews said that there were two immutable things. Immutable means it can't be changed. Two things which became an anchor for our soul. A better covenant and a better priesthood. That does not change. We looked at that. Go back and listen to that study. We're not going to try and review there. So this tabernacle system looked forward to what Christ would do. Christ came. He satisfied everything that was being pictured in that tabernacle system. We live on the other side of it now. We look back to it. We look back to how Christ has fulfilled this. And we've been given the Lord's table. We've been given baptism as a means of remembering what God has done. So it's a different things that we do because it's a different place in time. But never lose sight of the fact, friends, it's the same God at work. Whether Old Testament or New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant, it is the same God unfolding through the ages His redemptive work. We just happen to be in the part that is after the focal point of the work of Jesus Christ. And because it is the same God at work, we too are still called to holiness. We may be 
are not under the tabernacle sacrifices, that doesn't mean that God is not looking for and seeking a holy people. I'm going to just throw three things out quickly. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you see the call to holiness, the call to a life that is yielded to God, and the call to being different than the culture around us? Different than letting this world define who we are. No, we're defined by who God is, what He's doing, and we're trying to act accordingly. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. We've seen it a number of times. Paul wrote, I beseech you therefore, brethren, to walk worthy of the calling to which you are called. Why is that? That is because it is in line with who God is and what He's doing. This worthy calling who came from a holy God. He says that's how we are to behave, in alignment with who God is, what He's doing. Peter references it also. I think I'll pass on Peter for now, if that's okay. See, friends, God is the one who delivered us and set us apart for His glory, just like He delivered Israel. And we're watching that in the book of Leviticus. And God's saying, here's what I'm expecting of you. God has delivered us. But rather than one particular nation, i.e. the descendants of Abraham, now we live in a most fascinating time frame in God's redemptive work where He has delivered and is redeeming people from every kindred nation and tongue around the world. And we are all part of that work. And we are all that holy nation, that special people, a royal priesthood. But it's still the same thing. Are you, are, am, am I making that clear? He's delivered us and set us apart for His glory. And so, for us too, it starts with knowing God, and then we act accordingly. Friends, this is just critical to what I want to say. It's going to sound like I'm just singling out one thing. Time says, let's just keep this moving. It starts with knowing God, excuse me, and then we act accordingly. We don't, we don't start with the culture around us and then squeeze God into our conclusions made by what we've observed in the culture around us. So you've got to get the order right, friends. That's all that I'm asking us to walk away with today. Reflect on, you know, take this, put it into your spirit, and and reflect on this. He was saying to the people of Israel, you've left the culture of Egypt, you're moving into the culture in Canaan, but neither are to be your culture. Neither are to be your worldview. Neither are to be the means by which you make your decision and define who it is you worship and what you live for. It's still true for us today. Be not conformed to the image of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, there's an easy place to go that helps us understand. Uh, It's back in Leviticus. Leviticus 18 Verses 21 and 22 are helping us, will help us easily to understand where, where this is going. 
And again, throughout the book, there are many, many things that are touched on. It touches on every aspect of life. And in that is communicating that we don't dissect our life up into pieces and say, well, this is what matters and this doesn't. No, our entire life is to have the stamp of God upon it. Okay? So as they're, as they're moving forward, in the midst of chapter 18, he's giving all of these instructions about what, about what sexual morality is going to look like. And he throws this in 1821. You shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, because that's what was going on there at the time. They were sacrificing infants by burning them to death. Nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Here we are again. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Huh. So as he's sending them into this land, he says, don't kill your children and don't engage in same-gender impurity. And I see, friends, here's the deal. There are those in the church today, in the church today, we're confused about this stuff. And I think, I truly do believe this, and may the Lord forgive me if I'm saying something wrong here. I think the reason we wind up confused on these things, for instance, I just read something this past week about some pastors and a, and a, and a rabbi blessing the groundbreaking for a Planned Parenthood clinic effectively saying they were doing the work of God. And I think the confusion comes from this way. It's when we start with the culture and then squeeze God into the culture. What I'm trying to say is we don't start with the culture. We get to know God and then act accordingly. Because I don't understand for a moment how these issues which are so prevalent in our land today, I don't understand for a moment if we let God reveal who He is in His holiness... I don't understand how we get to these confused places because he's pretty clear on it. And the only thing I can guess is we start with the culture speaking into our experience first. And we absorb what the culture has to say and then try and figure out how we get Scripture to conform to that. No, that's not how it goes. Just asking us to think about it. And it isn't just these topics. It isn't just this. It's how we live our lives in our entirety. It is... Every area of our life, God desires to speak to us, make things clear for us. Now, I want to throw out just one other thing. Leviticus 18, 24 to 30, right after that, when he said these two things, don't kill your children and don't have um, same gender immorality, all right? It says, do not defy yourselves with any of these things. In this matters, for by all these, the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments. You shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you, and thus the land is defiled." lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. For whoever commits any of these abominations, the persons who commit them shall be cut off from among their people. 
Therefore, you shall keep my ordinances so that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which were committed before you and that you do not defile yourselves by them. I am the Lord your God. Now, if you're picking up what, what is being said there, minimally we'll grab this because we might ask ourselves, how is it? Where does, how is it that God just moves in, takes his Israelites, moves them in upon a people and displaces them? Say, it's time for them to go. How can he do that? How is that just? How can God possibly justify doing that? And God is clarifying here to Moses. These people are under his judgment because they have defiled everything in their existence and they have defiled the land and it's time for a cleansing to take place. And a new people are going to be brought in, a people who, who are there to live to the holiness of God. Because the land is vomiting them out. And friends, all of this, it's not just to hit two particular topics that rage in our culture today. All of this is for us to, I'd like us to leave here thinking about what it is God calls his people to do. Whether old covenant or new covenant, we can find some similar things. See, as he said, these people had defiled the land God was asking his people to be different now. When you get in there, don't defile the land again by following these gods and these practices and these things that are unrighteous. Raises two questions for us, friends. Because I don't want us to hop on to a couple of hobby horses that that are characteristic for us maybe as a church. Boy, we really hit those hard and sometimes without grace. The two questions I'd like us to examine as we leave here is this. One, are we getting to know God better? Because that's where it's got to start. Am I growing in my understanding of who God is as he's revealed in his word? Not who God is, as my culture will tell me, because they will mess it up. But who God is as he has revealed himself. Remember, he says, I am the Lord your God. Well, we need to get to know him. Everything that he was calling them to in holiness was based upon this thing of, this is who I am. So we've got to start there. Are we getting to know God better Secondly, is God defining our practices or is our culture defining them for us? Those are the questions we need to ask. We need to ask them at a number of levels. We need to ask them as individuals. Am I as an individual getting to know God better? And are there some things that the culture has defined for me that I need to re-examine? We need to consider them as families. Is our family collectively getting to know God better? Or is the, is it, and is the culture defining the practices we have as a family? Churches, are we getting to know God better? Is the culture defining who we are? Or are we truly being a people set apart to God? As we have sung, we said that's what we want. We sang it. And lastly, even uh, not just churches, but denominations. We can go that far. The denominations that uh, maybe need to take some time. Maybe take some time to go, hey, hey, hey. Might be losing some perspective here. Are we continuing to get to know God better? And is our pra- are, are our practices being defined by our culture? Or what we're learning about who God is as he has revealed himself? I'd like us just to be thinking about that this week, friends. 
I'd just like us to consider that and uh, take it with us and understand that, that um, as we speak about this thing, holiness, as we sing about it, as we claim we want it, it begins with knowing who God is. And then our behavior flows out of that. Father, thank you that you are so good and so gracious and so patient with us, Lord. And each one of us, Lord, would confess, we need to know you better. We need to. And we pray that as we move through this particular study in your word and we just hit these, these spots, we core down into each book. We pray that you'll be deepening our understanding of who you are, Lord. That we will understand you are the Lord. You are our God. You are the one who has called us to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people unto yourself. And that as we get to know you, Lord, we then act accordingly. Oh, Lord, change us. We need it desperately. We yield ourselves to that work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.